Welcome to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, the show designed to help make middle age your prime time of life by defying the notion that once you reach 40, 50, or even 60 years old, your crowning achievements are all behind you. Regardless of whether you're just approaching 40 or are firmly entrenched in your middle years, it's time to launch your very own personal journey toward a joyful and purpose-filled second half of life. Each week, host Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, will discuss the challenges common to middle age and help guide you to a brighter tomorrow. Now, here's Roy. Well, during this coronavirus episode, our parenting skills are being tested more than ever. We're spending a lot more time with our children and teens. A number of us are in temporary layoff or working from home. And not only that, but most schools are closed children's sports and activities canceled, teen venues closed, and a lot of doctors recommend cutting down on our children's play sessions with neighborhood kids. And as their offspring become bored and restless, they test our parental limits, seeing what they can get away with. Even though we have other things to take care of, at least for the present, parenting is becoming our primary role. And I want to ask a question to you mothers out there, but you, Dad, might ask yourself the same question. So, Mom, how effective do you think you are as a parent? Well, today's guest, author, inspirational speaker, and psychotherapist, Dr. Patty Ashley, Ph.D., warns that women, specifically you mothers, tend to lose track of yourselves as an unfortunate consequence of caring for your children and families. And mother, motherhood is a beautiful gift and a life-changing experience, but it also can lead to a vast array of emotions, as I'm sure you all already know, experiences and frustrations that can cause you to disconnect and forget who you truly are. And here's another challenge. So many moms tend to undervalue their skills as a mother uh, by holding themselves up to the now outdated belief about what it means to be a perfect mother. And Dr. Ashley is here to suggest how you mothers can get back to your authentic selves while continuing to care for and nurture your children and your spouse, for that matter. She's also here to suggest to those of you whose children have grown up and left uh, the nest, you empty nesters, how uh, you can empower yourselves to move forward to a joyful and productive second half. And before I introduce Dr. Patty Ashley, here are her qualifications. She's a psychotherapist currently in private practice. Dr. Ashley has over 35 years experiencing uh, counseling myriad individuals, couples, families, and small groups. She has created a unique process called Authenticity Architecture, designed to help you reconstruct your authentic self and live your best life. Uh, best life, and she currently owns and operates Authenticity Architects in Boulder, Colorado, where she offers in-person and online counseling, educational seminars, and international retreats. And she's an inspirational speaker and author of two present books and one to come out shortly, including the one we'll talk about today, Living in the Shadow of the Too Good Mother Archetype. And hello, Dr. Patty. We are indeed honored to have you with us here today. Oh, thank you for having me, Roy. Well, in addition to your Ph.D. and 35-plus years of professional counseling experience, 
you raised uh, four children on your own, basically as a single parent, and now in their 30s, and I believe the oldest one turns 40 this year, and now you're a grandmother of three. You tell us your mothering experience has taught you many things about relationships and emotional selves, uh, our emotional selves. Can you please highlight some of the most important lessons your own personal experience has taught you? Well, one of my favorite quotes is by Margaret and Jordan Paul and their book that came out in the 80s called If You Really Love Me. And they say, children are divine teachers. When we fail to see their light, it is our vision that needs clearing. (laughs) So when I was raising my children, as you said, 30-some years ago, um, and I would watch their um, emotional self um, and their, their ability to move through fear and sadness and happiness all within a spectrum of minutes even sometimes. Yeah. And I I think that's probably the key piece that I learned is, you know, we've, in the past, prior to the last century, we were taught not to feel our feelings. We were taught to stop crying before I give you something to cry about. You should be ashamed of yourself. Yeah. Don't be angry. Don't be sad. Get over it. Um You know, we just didn't have time for our social-emotional self because it was so much about survival. Lifespans were shorter, and, um, you know, that's how families operated. But in the last century, we started doing research on child development and our social-emotional self, and we realized that, you know, children really are our best teachers in terms of, you know, they're expressing an emotion, and how do we validate that and help them understand it? If you don't understand it, it's your vision that needs cleaning, not necessarily the child. <laughs> yeah, and so because that's and that's why I wrote the book, Living in the Shadow of the Two Good Mother Archetype, because what happened is we kind of jumped ahead to knowing what we needed to do, but because our DNA had been programmed for so many generations the other way, what my experience of it, I was a parent educator and obviously a parent. I would coordinate um, parent support groups when my children were toddlers. And I kept hearing the same stories over and over and over, like, I can't get it right. I can't figure it out. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I I want to do it different, but I don't know how to – I try it different, but then the pendulum would swing from one experience of being too rigid to too permissive because our cellular memory – and that's the key here – is our cellular memory – is nonverbal and sensory, and so when we are in an emotional state, it's not logical. But we have so much, we give so much value to our thoughts and our logic that we try and make it logical. So, what I was hearing parents say is the more books I read, the worse I feel. <laughs> so, I started creating workshops for women at, around the themes in the book and around being able to really imagine the sensory experience of transforming some of these old beliefs and giving ourselves permission to feel what we feel and then being able to better witness our kiddos in their emotional states, giving our kids words for feelings, um, reflective listening, you're really angry, you know, that sounds really hard, you must be really scared. Especially in these times, I think... um, the dials turned up quite a bit. You know, my now my two daughters are mothers, and yeah. um, they're uh, they're not close by. Unfortunately, one lives in in California, and one lives in Virginia, and I'm in the middle in Colorado. Um, but we've created a program called Moms in Real Life. My daughter and I, because she's a psychologist, and my other daughter's a mindfulness educator, and so it's interesting for me to pay attention 
because when I was raising them in the 80s, it's very different from now. But what's similar that they tell me is they're they're overwhelmed with information and trying to figure out how to do it right. Yeah. I think because we've learned so much about what we did wrong that we're trying to figure out how to do it right. And then what happens is moms tend to internalize that. What's wrong with me? Why can't I get this? Um, and they don't think that other mothers are experiencing it either. The women I work with in my um, psychotherapy practice and my parent coaching practice, you know, they come into the office. It's just me and, and one mother, and she says, everybody else seems to have it all figured out. What's wrong with me? <laughs> Everyone else is a perfect mother. <laughs> right, and I'm saying, no, I don't think so. I've talked to hundreds now, probably thousands of women who have the exact same experience, and I think we're so afraid to talk about it because, again, it goes back to that old school belief system that says we don't talk about our feelings. It's not proper to talk about our feelings. It's not then we don't want to feel bad. We want to feel good. So we haven't really learned how to navigate our emotions. And so right now in the coronavirus, you know, and I'm talking to my daughters and they're home with their kids and, you know, having to homeschool and work at the same time, um, it changes things. It's, it's Everything's going to change. It's obvious um, as a result of this with our lives kind of being turned upside down for the next few months. Um, and nothing being what we were familiar with. And, you know, um, it's going to be a different way to do relationship. And I think for women as mothers, those questions are even more up in terms of how can I get this right? Because now I have, I'm home, even the stay-at-home mom who um, whose kids went to school or, yeah, you know, no, it's just no it's going to be different. And the kids are going to test you because they're going to get really bored not being able to do their normal activities or learn, uh, you know, go to school and learn. And it's very tough, especially with young kids, I would think, to uh, really keep them homeschooling unless you know how to do it and, it just, and are trained in it. So it's going to be a tough time to to uh, navigate. But you have created a unique process you call authenticity architecture. And what is authenticity architecture and how does it relate to mothering? If you could just give us a brief outline of what that means. Well, I created it because of all the years I worked as a parent educator and also my experience as a mom and then a therapist. I I kept seeing the same themes, especially in this book, women not feeling good enough, not feeling like they can keep up with the expectations that, that are put on them. And there was this, again, this nonverbal experience of failure um, and then so then the putting on something to look good, especially with women, you know, the movie Bad Moms that came out and Bad Moms Christmas, you know, it's kind of a, yeah, it's a funny movie to look at something that's very serious because I don't think, again, we have the language for how to fix it. So my work evolved into um, the neurobiology of shame, thanks to Brene Brown, who's one of my heroes. And she's a researcher in shame at the University of Texas, and she, Houston in Texas, and she, um, she's brought it to mainstream that this is what's going on neurobiologically, is we don't feel good enough because our brains and our nervous system have somehow created this idea that we're not lovable and we're not good enough based on a lot of the old pedagogies and the beliefs about stop crying before I give you something to cry out about, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. We know now how to do it different, 
but our bodies are holding this memory of I'm never going to get it right. And so my work then evolved into working with shame, but then I, I didn't want to like put my work out there as I help you deal with your shame because people are ashamed of shame and they don't want to say they have shame. <laughs> so I thought, well, what's the opposite? I always like, and I learned that from my early childhood teacher, you know, Catherine Kersey is for every behavior we don't want, there's a behavior we do want. So I thought, well, what's the opposite of shame? And I thought it's authenticity. It's I can be my true self. I can love myself, have self-compassion for myself, and therefore, hopefully, the ripple effect is I help other people. It's not a narcissistic self-love. It's more around a, you know, I'm enough. Um, and yeah, so then I realized that we have you're to... you're enough before you're going to be able to help others. If you don't feel it, you're up to helping yourself or that you're good enough, it's very tough to, to really uh, benefit anyone else, I think. Exactly. And that's the message I had for moms in my book because... What parents want to do is they want to jump over their internal sensory emotional memories and make sure that their kiddos don't experience some of the things that they're they were feeling or are feeling and so the but the real work comes with really healing the body memory around some of these old patterns that we know now have been are in our DNA for fourteen generations we're carrying ancestral trauma and memory so it's a deeper level of work, and it's really hard right now when we're all in survival and we're all in the sphere of not knowing because when the fear gets activated, it activates all those pieces that are, again, nonverbal, and it's hard to get our frontal lobe online and make sense out of them. So my suggestion to moms today is, is to breathe and to not worry so much about keeping up with the academics, with the school. I think that's the one thing with schools, too, need, that that. They're trying to catch up with social-emotional yeah, development. It's a real challenge how they you know, miss a whole term, and then uh, if they don't get it's very tough to school but, uh, online. <laughs> yeah, but see, I believe that it, what's really more important is kids are, kids are intrinsically wired to want to learn. They're curious, yeah, yeah. and we need more curiosity as adults, right? We'd do a lot yeah. better if we could be innocent like kids and be curious. So kids are going to learn. We focus so much, again, on the logic and the academics in schools for so long that we've forgotten that kids are these social-emotional beings who need to learn how to be with their feelings. So what's happening is Parents are scared, kids are bored, feelings are coming up probably all over the place in families right now, and that's why parents need to breathe and sit back and play with their kids if they can, because there's so much learning that happens in play and creativity and so much healing, too, as adults. So if we can relax a little bit and be more like kids, we're all going to get through this better. Well, obviously, some self-sacrifice is necessary to be a good mother, but is there a point when self-sacrifice becomes harmful rather than beneficial, and is excessive self-sacrifice harmful to our children as well as to the mother? Absolutely, and that's when we go into what I'm calling the too-good-mother archetype, which is really an archetype of perfection. You know, I'm doing too much for my kiddos, and I'm neglecting my own needs. So especially then when we get to the empty nest, um, parents who've done too much for their kids, maybe the stay-at-home mom and their kids go off to college, they've lost their sense of identity, and they don't have any idea what to do because their whole life was being a mother. And so then they might cling to their kids. Sometimes kids are afraid to leave home because they pick up on the energy that their parents are needing them um, for their own identity. So we really have to, as kids develop, of course, the first three years, it's really a symbiotic relationship in a lot of ways where we have to sacrifice. That's, That's just a given. But kids are 
wired developmentally to um, grow and leave home. And my teacher used to say, you know, it, it, our job as a parent is to work ourselves out of a job. So yeah, That's a good way to put it, actually. <laughs> we have to developmentally pay attention. And, and the two-year-old is trying to start to separate. And what happens a lot of times is parents get offended when kids are doing the two-year-old. They call it the terrible twos. I call it the terrific, terrifically terrible twos, you know, (laughs) because they're trying to individuate. So what we know now about development is they're trying to say, no, I don't want to do that. I want to do it my way. I want to try this. I want to see who I am. And when parents get offended by that and punish their kids, again, that's when the authentic self starts to to, um, fade away a little bit because then now I have to put on, I have to do what mommy says. I must be bad because I'm shamed for saying no, but developmentally the kid was right on target. Yeah. And so the mom needs to to understand that. You really want, I hear that you really want that cookie. I know. <laughs> Cookies are so delicious, aren't they? I know. And what we're going to do right now is we're going to eat our, our healthy foods that I used to say to my kids, make green things make your body say hip, hip, hooray. <laughs> you know, we're going to eat some really healthy foods right now. Yeah. And, you know, when it's time for dessert, you can have your cookie. Well, but that's not saying... Don't you tell me no. Don't you, you know, what's the matter with you? What, why don't you listen to me? You're never listening to me. What's your problem? You yeah, know, that the worst sort of thing. thing is I, I'm telling you no because I, that's, I'm your mother and I, that's what I want you to do. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. Well, how can today's it's, mothers emerge from the shadow of the too good mother? How, how do you get started in getting out of that uh, Well, here's the thing, and I'm noticing it with what's going on in the world right now. Whenever we're in fear of some sort or or that place of shame where I'm not feeling good enough, it's really hard to get the frontal lobe online and start to make conscious decisions because the reptilian brain takes over and thinks the saber-toothed tiger is chasing us. The body has no quantitative or quantity or time in terms of fear. So right now is very much like what I experienced with moms of toddlers when I wrote the book is they're not really going to really do deep shadow work right now because they're just trying to survive. So I think that's why I'm saying the most important thing right now is play with your kids, take some deep breaths, rest, Ask yourself, do some journaling if you are if you like writing, and, you know, write about what you're feeling. Pay attention to your own turn emotions. Turn off the news. <laughs> turn off around. the news because we know this is going to get worse before it gets better, <laughs> yeah. and we're going to have to all be together through this. And I think our emotions tell us a lot, but when we get dysregulated and we go into the reptilian brain, you know, we can't. We can't get back to the reason. So we're all going to have to figure out a new way of doing a lot of things right now. Um, I'm doing more work online. It'll probably be a a benefit to everyone to slow down a little in the uh, path we were on at 24-7 and, uh, you know, Internet connections and all these other things and pause to to think about uh, and just play and, uh, you know, enjoy life a little with our families if we can do that. But... uh, well, you're right. I do believe that's how we heal the nervous system is to give it those experiences. But sometimes people like, I'm doing a mindfulness meditation every day I'm sending out to my um, on my newsletter. 
And so if anyone's interested in that, they can sign up on my website. And every morning I'm getting up and doing a 5 to 10 minute mindfulness meditation because research has shown that's the most effective thing we can do when we're in a fear response is quiet the mind and be really present in the moment. Um, and I think that we've been so busy with our hectic, hectic, hectic lives and people are just trying to keep up with everything that our nervous system has been living in some sort of fight, flight, or flee, um, freeze for a, for a long time. So you're absolutely right. However, to get out of the fear of the what ifs, you know, what if people who, who are unemployed, kids who, you know, um, don't get fed because they're not going to school, our economic yeah. system that was already challenging for so many Americans is going to be turned upside down and for months people aren't going to have work in some places and that's scary it's basic survival needs so we have to quiet the mind be really present in the moment find something really safe in the moment to try and get the frontal load back online and enjoy your kids if you can (laughs) you know have fun kids will teach you they'll they'll adapt I I think it's going to be interesting to see how the kiddos start you know, because they're going to go through phases of what? Why can't I go? Why? 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 Yeah. And then, then they're going to settle into this is the reality, and they're going to get creative. So if we as adults can do that with them, like I said, there are divine teachers. That's that's an excellent point. Let's talk a bit about your critically acclaimed 2014 book, Living in the Shadow of the Too Good Mother Archetype. <laughs> the book's subtitle reveals the truth about being a good enough mother and dispels the myth of being a perfect parent. Can you please give us your definition of a good enough mother? What are the key parenting goals a good enough mother is able to accomplish? Well, a good enough mother realizes that nobody's perfect and 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 doesn't need her children's behavior to validate who they are. And I think yeah. that's what happens a lot is is mothers, you know, based on how my kids behave, that reflects on whether I'm a good parent or not. And and I don't necessarily think that's true. I do think there's some truth in that we have to be responsible for um, understanding child development and understanding what our kiddos need in order to, um, um, as my mentor, my teacher, Catherine Kersey said, you know, um, Children come into the world very much like a packet of seeds with no cover on the front. It's our job, very much like a gardener's, to provide the adequate water, air, nutrition, and light to raise that seed to its fullest potential. It's not our job to raise a rose into a carnation or a carnation into a rose. So I think a good enough parent is a parent who's willing to see themselves separate from their kiddos and and not have their own identity defined by their kids, but rather a witness to... I mean, children come into the world. I have four... I see their personalities that I saw day one when they were born in them now in their 30s. You know, their little facial expressions, their little, they're, they're, we're born with something. And this is the mystery we don't understand, but we're born with an essence of self and that's the authentic self. So a good enough mother is able to see that and able to do her own work too. Like I was saying, face the emotional um, wounds that need healing in all of us from all these old antiquated beliefs and lighten up and laugh. I remember I was the perfect, I had to be the perfect mom, right? I just was was obsessed about, I studied child development and I, you know, got my master's in early childhood and I worked with this 
with Catherine Kersey, whom I mentioned, who was the local parent educa- parent education expert in Virginia, where I was living at the time, and yeah. I had studied special education and kids with emotional problems, and I did not want to mess up my kids. No, I you, to- you were the professor. You. <laughs> I wanted to do it right. And then when I did my research and I learned so much about, you know, how we're so, we put so much pressure on ourselves, I realized that sometimes you just got to step back and laugh. You know, it's, it's like none of us are perfect. Where do we get that idea? (laughs) You know, and we do the best we can. We're all doing the best we can. And so to be able to face that fear of not being good enough which again is neurobiologically set up in our our brain and our nervous system to take some deep breaths and to connect with people like myself and parent educators who do this kind of work um, and work with conscious parenting and su- we need all we, we all need support. You know, I did a yeah. parent education or not even parent education, but a parenting support group based on a project in, in Hempstead, New York, in the 70s and 80s. And it was really just to support one another. We have to support each other. I think that's the thing, too. Women don't want to talk about this to each other because the shame comes up. And we all need to realize we're all struggling. And we're all trying to figure out what this new parenting paradigm looks like. So how can we support each other a little bit better? Where should should, uh, listeners go to uh, preview and purchase your book? Um, there's a link on my website, um, pattyashley.com, and I spell my name with an I, P-A-T-T-I-A-S-H-L-E-Y. Um, you can also sign up for my newsletter um, and get my yeah. mindfulness meditation every morning on the website. And I'm also, my daughter, as I mentioned earlier, is a school psychologist in Virginia, and we started Moms in Real Life last oh. year. And I know, she's a parent educator too, as well as a psychologist, and her kiddos are seven and three and we were going to do an in-person retreat here in boulder uh in may but we're going to be moving it online so you might have more than 10 (laughs) yeah we're gonna so we're gonna do some work with people online and i haven't got any details up on my website yet that's my plan for the next few days but if people sign up they can get updates on all of that okay well in conclusion i love this statement contained in an editorial review on amazon For Dr. Ashley's book, Living in the Shadow of the Too Good Mother Archetype, parenting is an ongoing process of discovery and acceptance of our true selves, balance, and mindfulness. I like that statement. And Dr. Ashley urges you in her book and through her counseling not to be too harsh on yourself, lose sight of who you are as an authentic individual and of your authentic goals beyond being just a mother and martyred motherhood, as another of you puts it, is not healthy either for you or for your children. And most of you know, I'm certain, that the way you were is not the way you want to be anymore. And I recommend you preview and purchase Patty Ashley's book. And also, I'd highly recommend you look at another book she's written, which we don't have time to talk about, Letters of Freedom, From Fear to Love to Grace. And uh, uh, Patty has uh, gone through two major tragedies in her life. One was a small child and another as an adult uh, with her father passed away and then the love of her life passed away through heart attacks. And I'm sure that book uh, would be of great interest to a number of people who uh, may have suffered similar type losses. And like I said, unfortunately, we don't have time to discuss it now, but it's, it's certainly a book you may want to look at. And you can find that on Amazon as well. 
and most of you know I'm certain that the way you are is not the way you want to be anymore, and I recommend you preview and purchase Patty Ashley's book, Living in the Shadow of the Too Good Mother Archetype. And thanks a million, Dr. Ashley, for your advice. Best of success in all that you do. Thank you, Roy. It was a pleasure. Well, let me begin our next segment with a question. We're in the first quarter of the first year of a new decade. Can you feel the excitement about the decade, uh, the new roaring 20s, and what it has to offer? More importantly, are you energetically prepared to receive it? Young or old, liberal or conservative, I think we can all agree upon one thing. Our country and the whole world today seems to be spinning out of control in a state of constant disruption, probably the shape of the sharpest political divide since the Civil War and the uncertain spread of the coronavirus disease, not only the threat of worldwide pandemic, but also possible disruption to the world economy and really our way of living and uh, congregating with fellow human beings, a volatile stock market that wipes out an entire year-to-date gain in a single day of trading, the threat of man-made climate change that some folks say doesn't exist while others say poses an immediate threat to make the world uninhabitable within a very few years. But here's some good news. My next guest, wellness and energy coach, uh, Karen Preisner, tells us that with the right mindset, you and I have nothing to fear. Yes, there is much turmoil in the world, but as she reminds us, this is often the case, and she warns you not to be tricked by the doomsayers who say you have to believe that without question we all face a bleak future. The ways of the world, in fact, are changing, but that's because human consciousness is rapidly shifting to a higher vibration, and the secret, just as a snake must shed its skin in order to grow, you and I must be ready to shed our old ways of thinking and bring fresh energy in order to create a new reality. And Karen Preisner is here today to convince us that there has never been a more exciting and auspicious time in all human history. And assuming that's true, how can those of us at middle age and beyond prepare to receive all the wonderful new opportunities and abundance that 2020 has to offer? After all, we've spent 40 or more years establishing our belief systems, so it may prove extremely difficult to create a bright new future operating under the old programming of our past. And limiting beliefs, many of those have served us well up to now, are indeed hard to shake. As Karen puts it, they stick to us like gum chewed or chewed gum on the bottom of your shoe. <laughs> but releasing them can be done. A promising future is not reserved only for the young. And Karen Preissner is here to help you receive the new energy you will need to prosper in the higher vibration world. And very briefly, here are Karen's qualifications. For many years, a highly regarded wellness coach, energy healer, and yoga instructor, owner of the Aspen Hill Body and Brain Yoga in Silver Spring, Maryland, host and producer of periodic online summits designed to spread holistic wellness and healing all around the world. And Karen was a prior guest on our program back on May uh, 20th, 2019. 
Hello, Karen Frazier. Welcome back to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. Hi, Roy. It's great to be back on your show again. Well, to briefly review what we talked about back in May 2019, many of us believe in the universal law of attraction. Everything that comes into your life, you are attracting into your life by virtue of the images you're holding in the mind, what you're thinking. Given this universal law, why is it that so many of us continue to live our lives based on doubts and fears? Why can't we just will ourselves to think positive thoughts that so positive results will follow? <laughs> why doesn't yeah, that if, work? <laughs> if only, if only we could do that, right? Yeah. Wow. So how complex are our, um, you know, the makeup of our thoughts and our beliefs based on all of our, you know, how much experience how many interactions, how many relationships, things we've read, things we've heard, how much has gone into that mix that now makes up our consciousness. So, you know, many things are, are running in the, in the, in the deep, deep unconscious mind behind the scenes so that we're not always aware of what's being played out in our day-to-day reality. Yeah. We, only have, we only have access to a relatively small portion of our consciousness at any given time. And so it seems like things... You know, well, I'm going to think positively. Uh, You know, I always think positively, and yet, you know, here are all these quote-unquote bad things happening to me. So, you know, law of attraction is a bunch of, oh, it doesn't work. Uh, You know, I'm living proof of that. Um, But there's so much, there's, you know, it's such a a, a rich tapestry that 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 composes our 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 consciousness that. you know, if we had all the answers, if we could see the whole thing, well, what would be the what would be the fun of it? You know, what would be the challenge of our life <laughs> if it was yeah, all just laid out on the silver platter? I, mean, yeah. I believe on the prior program you told us that about eighty percent of our prior thoughts are negative <laughs> and yeah. highly repetitive. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, in fact, the law of attraction is neutral, neither positive or negative. We can certainly attract negative thoughts and actions by thinking negative as well. In view of that, how do we release our fear so that we can employ the law of attraction to our advantage? Yeah, the key is your self-awareness. Um, and it's it's hard to even assess your your own level of self-awareness because, you know, we, we tend to think, well, I, I see what's going on. I'm aware. Uh, you know, I'm a conscious, intelligent person. But it's you know it goes deeper than that. It's not based on your your intelligence level, but um, uh, you know like for example, we all have habits, and some of them we're aware of, and some of them we're not aware of, and and others can can kind of reflect back to us like mirrors. The people in our yeah. lives are like mirrors. They they reflect back to us things that we're not able to see within ourselves, and we don't always like to hear those things, but um, but it's it you know it really it takes uh, kind of a dedicated practice like say meditation that's a great tool for helping you increase your self awareness because you kind of let all the external stuff the external stimuli sit you know sit in the background um, yeah. and you turn your focus inward and when you do that you you really come into this calmer space where you your your thinking is clearer and and you, you can tap into, you know, the, the uh, say stream of consciousness, the collective consciousness a little bit more and, and just get clarity 
on on you know who you are and things like what you want and and things you don't want. It's just as important as the things you do want. So you know the first step is really um, developing your own self awareness. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know you see. advise we need to clean out the closet of limiting beliefs from the past so that we can mm-hmm. fill our minds with new energy to pave the way for your new desired reality. Of course, mm-hmm. we need to know what we want that reality to be. But for some of us, especially at middle age, easier said than done. Can you mm-hmm. briefly describe your five-step program to add, uh, activate the inner power so that you can give uh, live your life joyfully and fully uh, mm-hmm. based upon who and aligned with who you really are? I know mm-hmm. you mentioned the five-step program. Yeah, I'm always fiddling around with things, so it's now a three-step program. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully the two steps you eliminated weren't the key ones. <laughs> yeah, hopefully they weren't that important. <laughs> I can, let's say I consolidated. Um, so first step, I've got the ABCs. The first step is awaken, as I was just talking about. Um, by increasing your self-awareness, kind of awakening your consciousness and expanding your consciousness, basically expanding your perspective to yeah. allow for more more possibility and, and kind of open the door for, for a little more wisdom and insight. And and as you do that, you you do you do you're able to see the kinds of things that have been holding you back. You know, like for example, um you know, maybe you don't trust yourself enough and you're always looking for others to tell you what to do or, or you have to check with other people before you take an action. Um, and then maybe you recognize that pattern in your life as you're, as you're you know, increasing your own self-awareness. And, and then you can decide, uh, yes, this, I see this and, and I, I, know I'm, I know I'm capable, I can do this and I trust myself. And so you can begin to make shifts. So through the awakening, that's one step. That gives you power. You, you're you're taking your uh, actions and making your decisions from a more self-empowered place, or with more uh, intention and awareness. And so, this is very empowering. It gives you some control over things maybe you didn't feel like you had control over your thoughts, your emotions. You gain confidence, and so yeah. you become more of who you truly are. And third step is to create. Meaning, we can be conscious creators of our lives, or we can be like default creators. We can let things happen to us, like a you know, like a shell being tumbled around in the in the ocean surf or in the in the tide. Uh, or we can discover, wow, we have legs, we have arms and legs, and we can actually yeah. you know move out of that surf and and take take control of our own lives. So. Third step is become a conscious creator, and so you you see yourself more clearly. You make you make intentional choices about you, what you do want and what you don't want. You use your power, and you from this kind of consciousness, you're at a higher consciousness level, or we can say vibrational level, where you feel joyful, you feel happy, you feel you know, positive is more of a baseline rather than a, a fleeting thing that it's, you know, hard to hold on to. These things become your way of being and, yeah. and life takes a whole different turn, a whole different direction when you're operating from that conscious and creation. And when you feel like you're in control, it, it 
brightens the future up so much if you're not dependent on something you have no control over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you say, that shell. Yeah, which is not to, which is not to say we we can control life. No. Um, but you you see things from a different perspective. You can see the value of all your experience, and so things are not la- you don't label things as good or bad or you know why is this happening to me? Like seeing yourself as a victim, you see yourself as as an empowered human being that is having this wonderful experience of life where everything is happening for your benefit. Everything is, is giving you wisdom and opportunities for growth and and for making choices in it and expressing your freedom. So, it's Well, a, I'm certain that any listener who feels stuck in the past and fear of, fearful of the future is more than ready to adopt the tried and true statement, out with the old, in with the new. As you put it, it literally... Um, what you must do to pave the way to your uh, new desired reality. The good news is you offer help through a free 30-minute phone conversation with you to chat about how to make this happen. How can our listeners sign up for this free conversation? Uh, The best way to do that would be to send me an email. I answer all my emails. Now, the trick is to get my name right because it's an unusual name. So my email is karen at... KarenPraisner.com. And Karen is spelled K-A-R-E-N. That's the easy part. <laughs> yeah, although Karen can be spelled any any number of ways these yeah, days. Yeah, that's really It's um, kind of a traditional spelling. So it's Karen at, again, Karen, and then P-R-E-Y, S as in Sam, and as in Nancy, A-R.com. And if you, I, I think my my name will be on your on your podcast page as well. Yeah. So um, I've been I've been working on a website, and I don't have it up and running yet. Or I'd point people to a website, but it's going to be it's going to be consciouscreatorliving.com. But it's oh, right I now see. if you go there, all you'll see is a is a you know under under construction uh, notice. So best way to reach me is through the email. Okay. Now you also. From time to time, you offer this Turn Back Your Energy online summits. Please tell us a bit about these summits, and when's the next one to begin? Is it too late to sign up for this year's seminar? And tell us about two or three of the prominent guest presenters. I know you have a whole lot of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been two summits in the past. The first one that I really did on nutrition um, I, I'm very interested in natural healing and especially using food as food as medicine. So that was my first summit I did a couple of years ago. And then I, I shifted into the energy realm uh, because consciousness and expansion of consciousness is just a, you know, it's like the most dear to my heart a subject. Yeah. So I did, a, did, did the, the um, online summit <clears throat> in this interview series last year called Take Back Your Energy. So the next one, I don't have a date yet, so it's definitely not too late to sign up. But this one is going to be about how to how to become a conscious creator, conscious oh. creation. And um, again, if you're interested, if you want to get onto my email list so that you won't miss the announcement about when I do this, you can just send me an email, whether you want a phone call or just to be on the list so you can stay posted. Either one is fine. Okay. But um, I, I may do that later this year or early next year. I, I haven't decided yet. 
I guess the uh, you have an email an address um, energy dot dot com that I went to and uh, there was a tab to get on a seminar. Was that the last one you had? Oh yeah, that was the last one. So oh, um, I see. So they should definitely yeah. send you an email then to mm-hmm. get on your list so they can find out about the next one. Yeah, yeah. That way, you know, we can get to know each other a little bit. I, I, even though we're we're living in an online world and everything can be very impersonal, it doesn't have to be. You no, know, I like to, sure. I like to connect with people. And, well, and everybody's so different and unique and interesting. So. Yeah. Are you deeply afraid of what the future may hold? Whatever you may fear, this very day, the first quarter of the first year of a new decade, is the best time to receive all of the wonderful new opportunities and abundance that the vibrant world has to offer you. And think about it, freed from past fears and limitations, what would you like to uh, bring more of into your life in the coming days, months, and years? Money, better relationships, improved health, joy, freedom? Karen Preissner asks, are you ready to ride the current energy wave and create what you want in your life? And if so, she invites you to chat about how it can happen to you and email to Karen today at Karen at KarenFraser.com to schedule your 30-minute phone call with Karen. And please don't let your mind keep running on autopilot based upon programming of your past. It's time to step into your best self and book your call with Karen today. And thank you, Karen Frasner, for your inspirational message. Best success in uh, spreading it far and wide. And thank to all of our listeners for tuning in to this week's edition of Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age. Hope to speak with you again next week. Goodbye, Karen, and thanks for joining us. Bye, Roy. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Middle Age Can Be Your Best Age, hosted by Roy Richards, an expert on midlife renewal and author of both A Midlife Challenge, Wake Up, and Wake Up, Captain and Crew, Restart Your Engines. You can learn more about Roy and his Middle Age Renewal Training System by visiting his website, middleagerenewal.com.